Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Hey, New Vision, this is obviously an unprecedented time as we're dealing with this uh, coronavirus, and so I am preaching this message really in front of just a handful of our staff. My wife, Amy, Philip's wife, Susan's here, and so we just have a, a few staff here, but I'm glad that you're joining us, and you may be in your den or in your, in your kitchen, got some family there with you, so we're excited that you have uh, joined us. I'm going to talk for just a, just a few minutes uh, about this coronavirus, and if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up to Romans chapter 10. We'll be there in just a little bit, but we're going to talk about some uh, some big lessons from a small virus. And when I say small virus, I know that it's uh, wreaking havoc in so many ways, but really just this small virus that has affected our life in so, so many ways. But I think there's some really important lessons for us to gain from this, so we're going to jump in. But before I do, let me just encourage you. This is such a fluid situation, and there's so many changes happening. If you could just uh, make sure to check our website out, because all that information, all the adjustments that we're making will be on our website. I want to just uh, say uh, just a word of thanks for our staff. They are working so hard, and they're doing so many creative things. And now I know our children's ministry, uh, Ross is here with us as we're filming this today doing some great things for kids, student ministry. We have a college podcast. I know what Joseph is doing in our groups with all these Zoom interactive meetings. I know last night, I am like the least technical person on our staff. Last night, I had my men's group. It was an uh, online group through Zoom, and so that was an, it's just an interesting day. I never thought I'd be preaching in front of uh, you know, an empty sanctuary or just uh, having a, a small group meeting on my laptop, but these are the days that we're in. Also, I want to encourage you that we are just finished uh, with our, our Romans podcast. I've heard just some really neat things about that. I know Amy's here with me as we're filming this. We've enjoyed that. We've uh, a lot of mornings just sat with a cup of coffee and just listened to the Romans podcast, and I think our staff's done a great job with that. But we are just immediately jumping in. Um, on Monday morning, we'll start with the Galatians podcast. Nick and Robert and the rest of our staff have worked hard to put that together, so I hope you'll enjoy that. Also, on our website, we'll have a staff directory with all of our staff's emails, so if you need to get in touch with us, uh, most of our staff is now working uh, from home for uh, the next several weeks, and so if you need to get in touch with them, just shoot them an email, and they will follow up with you. I think one of the things that's pretty cool is uh, just right before I, I came out to preach, we had another pastor from a smaller church in our community that... Uh, uh, was here preaching, and our team videoed that and is going to make that available for his church. So we're looking for ways to encourage other churches and help them. And I, I know uh, there's, a, there's a group of folks in South Alabama, Amy told me this last night, some family and friends that are doing a, I think, a uh, Facebook watch party right now watching our service. So we're thankful to have all of you guys uh, here with us. So I want to just share three things, just very simply, uh, about this, this big lesson, or I think some big lessons from a uh, uh, from this small virus. And the first lesson, I want to start uh, this way, and then we're going to jump into Romans uh, in just a few moments. But the first lesson for me is this. It's, it's really right now in my life and in your life, I would encourage you to live from a place of rest in the faithfulness of God. So I'm going to share three words in this message. And the first is, is rest. This is a moment-by-moment -moment battle. You know, if you're like me and, and just watching... Uh, all the different news outlets covering this coronavirus. And I hear, hear people all over the spectrum talking about this is overblown or we, we're not taking it seriously enough and we're all over the place. But this is a pretty scary thing, isn't it? And, you know, just watching some of the footage out of Italy and seeing just uh, 
tents where people are laying there, just makeshift hospitals. That was happening in China as well. There's some pretty scary things, thinking about financial implications and all kinds of things. I have not washed my hands this much in my life. Every time I wash, walk by just a dispenser, I'm washing my hands. And so it's just this moment-by-moment moment battle that we're having with fear. But I want to I think about this a little bit. I think we have to live from a place of rest. Rest in what? Rest in the faithfulness of God. I want to tell you what's helping me right now. Because I don't know how this thing's going to play out. I don't know how long this is going to be. I hope we're back together in a couple weeks. I don't know how long it's going to be. But here's what I know. God has been faithful in my past. I know that to be true. I think about my life, and I think about the ups and downs in my life. And I just encourage you to do the same thing. Think about your life. Has God been faithful in your past? Well, the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God has been faithful in your past, what does that mean about our future? Well, it means he's going to be faithful. So I want to live from a place of rest. Let me give you a passage of Scripture that maybe even with your family uh, this afternoon you could look at again. Lamentations uh, chapter 3, verse 22. Uh, we're just going to put this up on the screen for you, and we'll be in Romans in just a second. But look at this. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassion never fails. Isn't that good? That God's compassion never fails. And look at verse 23 I love. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That God's mercy and His grace is new every morning. And you know, every morning when we turn on the, the news to see there's updated information, more changes coming, numbers keep growing, and so it seems like fear keeps growing, but God's grace is new every single morning. So just living from a place of rest. Um, you know, I'm prone to have some fears about financial things, you know. What's, what are the implications for, for you and for your, your work and for your family financially? There, there's some questions, and I have that about us and for our church, of course. And, and by the way, let me just say, last week, as you guys gave online, we almost made our budget last week and, and only had our Thursday night service. You guys just gave so generously, and it's just amazing to see that. But look at Psalms 37, 25. Look at this passage. We'll put it up on the screen. This is an encouragement to me and allows me to live from a place of rest. David said, I was young, and now I'm old. I can relate to that. He says, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Isn't that a good, isn't that a good word? I, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaking or the children begging bread. You know, we can have some, some folks that are sharing some disparaging news about our financial situation, but, but I'm looking at what the Word of God says. And I want to say this. Uh, actually, Steve Austin said this in one of our podcasts in, uh, last week that was super helpful. You know, in the midst of any difficult situation in your life that you're going through, you have a choice. We can read uh, or get our understanding of God through the lens of the current circumstance. In other words, you can understand God through the lens of the current circumstance, like coronavirus. I look at coronavirus and then try to extrapolate from that what is God like, and that will lead you to a place of despair, discouragement, panic, and, and fear. Or you can read your circumstances through God's lens. You see how really flipping that? And seeing God, here's your nature, you're faithful, you're good, you're powerful, you're sovereign, and then I understand the coronavirus through the lens of the nature of who God is. And that's just a choice that we have to make on a daily basis. So that, that's point uh, number one. If you're keeping score at home, you're a third of the way through the, the message right now. So living our life from a place of rest in the faithfulness of God. And I'm trying to do that in just a moment-by-moment -moment sort of deal in my life. Uh, the second thing I would, I would say is... Listen to the Spirit as He leads you to personal repentance. I think in this, we are having an unprecedented silence in our culture right now. I'm a sports guy, you know, 
every major um, uh, sports uh, team, league, everything is shut down. I watched some cricket highlights on ESPN two weeks ago because that's the only sport going on. There's nothing going on. What's the point? There are, there are just so few distractions right now, a lot less distractions. So I, I think this is a great thing. And again, I think there's going to be some powerful things that are going to come out of this. And one of them is that we'd be able to listen to God's voice a whole lot better. Because listen, one of the things in our life is if you want to hear the voice of God, we've got to turn down the noise of the culture in some ways to do that. Well, it's been done for us in a lot of ways. And I believe this with everything in me, and I don't want you, what I'm about to say, uh, it, it could be a little bit controversial, but, but I, I think it's important. I, I believe God is trying to teach us something today in a powerful way. I believe God is speaking in, in ways that perhaps we haven't heard before. It's unprecedented. You know, people ask me, they say, are you, a sh- are you shocked about what's going on? You know, if, if you're, you're here in Middle Tennessee watching this, I mean, we're just a couple weeks removed from the tornadoes that ripped through Nashville and into Cookville that were devastating. But nobody's even talking about that anymore because coronavirus has sort of taken over and dominated uh, the news cycle. So they're asking, are you shocked about what's happening in our culture? And um, to be honest, I'm not. I, I hate what's happening, and I'm not, I'm not pleased to listen to what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that what we're going through is a judgment of God. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. But I, here's what shocks me. I'm shocked that we have as much time of peace and prosperity and the times that we, we've had in the past because we're a culture today, just to be honest, we have rejected God at every turn, haven't we? In every way possible, we've, re, we've rejected Him. Whether that is abortion for convenience, we've redefined sexuality, we've redefined marriage, we worship money, we worship sex, we worship entertainment. To be honest, if you, if you, if you want to know the truth of me, I'm shocked that we aren't seeing more of this because God isn't a part of our life in any way. So I think this is a time to listen to the voice of God and really repent. That's what I'm working on in my life. God, would you speak to me? Could I hear some areas in my life that I need to turn away from sin and repent? Because I, I think we've prioritized so many things over God, haven't we, in our culture? Now, here's a passage of Scripture, and I promise you we're going to get to Romans in just a second. But Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 4, and, and people might email me and say, well, this was a promise for the nation of Israel. I understand that. That's a primary interpretation. But there's also some principles from this promise that will make a difference in your life right now. It's a popular verse. If you grew up in church, you, you've probably heard it. But it's a good one, and I think it's very appropriate for the times that we're in. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, that turning is repentance, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land, heal their land. So that's a passage that's calling us to repentance. And, and so this is where I am, God, right now, in the silence of this moment, would you show me some areas in my life that I need to repent of, some sin areas, some things that I've allowed into my life that are displeasing to you. Uh, I have uh, thought about this story uh, this week. You know, when you think about repentance, repentance is changing direction. Uh, several years ago, my boys and I, we went to Knoxville for an afternoon football game, University of Tennessee versus Alabama. We, we went, it was actually a late afternoon game. The game gets over super, super late. So we are driving back on a Saturday night from, from Knoxville to, to Murfreesboro. I let my older son uh, drive because it was, it was late. I was going to try to catch just an hour or two of sleep. Uh, because I was, you know, had to be up early the next morning for services, and so he's driving, and and I'm sort of not completely out of it. I, I'm I'm sort of awake, and I mean, we are we're flying. 
Uh, and we're making, we're making good time. So I'm thinking, you know what? I should probably say something, but I'm ready to get home. And I finally, I, I, I remember opening one eye and looking and just seeing the exit sign and thinking, I've driven from Knoxville to, uh, you know, to Murfreesboro dozens and dozens of times. I don't remember this exit. And finally, I, I remember just setting up in the car and looking and seeing the signs. We were just getting into Chattanooga. Uh, he had uh, taken a wrong turn off of 40, and we're on 75, and we're headed into Chattanooga, and we were making great time. We're just on the wrong interstate. And uh, so I'm mad. I'm frustrated. You know, pull over. Let me drive. But I think that's where we are right now. We, we are a culture. We're making good time. We are fast and furious with what we're doing. The problem is we're just heading in the wrong direction. So I think this is a time for repentance inside the church and let's take that seriously. So I think we have to live our life from a place of rest and the faithfulness of God. We've got to learn to listen to the Spirit as He leads us to areas of personal repentance in our life. And then finally, let me close with this. And this is where I want us to spend just a few minutes, certainly looking in, in uh, Romans chapter 10, because it's such a great passage as we're studying through Romans. Uh, let us, uh, uh, let me say this, let God use this moment to refocus your life. So there's three words, and if you've written these down, I think these, this is a great framework. Uh, rest repentance, and refocus. I think these are big lessons from a little virus. Rest in the faithfulness of God, repent of known sin in my life, and then refocus on what God's called me to do. I, I think it's so easy to lose focus in the culture that we we've li live in. I'm not so sure that we, we haven't prioritized just so many temporal things. I want to say this, and I, I, you know, wherever you're watching right now, could you lean into this? This is a great opportunity. I am not so sure that this might not be the greatest opportunity in our generation, and I don't want us to miss it. Because here's what I believe about change. If any change is going to happen in a person's life, I think you'll always find these three elements there. I think there's got to be the truth of God's Word. I think some trusted friends to come alongside, but there also has to be tragedy too. And, and many times, in many ways, it kind of shakes us and gets our attention. And I think all three of those things are present right now. I think this could be a defining time for the church of Jesus Christ. You know, I hear so many people say, boy, we'd love to see awakening. We'd love to see a revival. We'd love to see some things turn around. We could be setting on the precipice of some of the greatest times in the history of our lives spiritually. I believe that. So let's look at Romans chapter 10. Let's start in verse 14, and we're going to do, we're going to kind of go backwards just a little bit in Romans chapter 10, just for a couple minutes. So if you have your Bibles, look at them. You're like, boy, this sounds like you're just getting the message started. No, I'm closing it up. But it's really important. Romans chapter 10 uh, is a fascinating chapter. You know, Romans chapter 9 really talks about the sovereignty of God or how God is in, in control of our salvation. If, if, if you just read Romans chapter 9, that's where you have a lot of this uh, election, predestination sort of thoughts. And then in Romans chapter 10, it's all about our responsibility in salvation and our responsibility in sharing the gospel. And that is a seemingly is a paradox, but it's only a paradox because we don't have all the information. And so you have to keep those things in balance. Here's what we, we believe around here. We believe that God is sovereign as it relates to salvation, and we believe we're responsible. We believe those two things are in play in Romans chapter 9 and Romans chapter 10. Make that case beautifully. But listen to what, uh, what Paul says uh, about refocusing in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Talking about our responsibility in sharing the gospel. And how can they believe in the one who they have not heard? Uh, people know there's a God. They just don't know how to get to him. 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And that, that word preach just means a, a herald of the good news. It's not just something that I'm doing. It's, it's something that all of us can do. Now watch this. And how can they preach or share the good news unless they are sent? Let's camp there on that word sent for a second. It's a powerful word. The word sent means to be kicked out or pushed out of a place of comfort to your calling. It means that your cage has to be rattled just a little bit for you to get busy and do the work that God's calling you to do. Listen, I believe we need to have a time of rest in the faithfulness of God. I, need, I, I believe that we need to repent of no, known sin, but I believe we need to refocus on what God's calling us to do because we need to live sent. We need to be, be about what God's calling us to do. Now, listen to what Paul says next. This is a weird passage, right? He says, as is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Like, that's strange, Paul. Right, what, what, what are you talking about? Well, first of all, he's referencing Isaiah chapter 52. And uh, you go back and you look at Isaiah chapter 52. That was a time the nation of Israel was in captivity in Babylon uh, because of their sin. But whenever their, their captivity was over, Isaiah is talking about what it was like when the heralds were coming to say that the captivity is over. Now the people are coming back into the city of Jerusalem. And he says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You see, and let me say this. I, I, my wife's here, so I have to be honest about this. I have the ugliest feet in the history of the world. I mean, I have toes that they don't even match up. Like, they should go <laughs> symmetry. I have, like, is, is it, your toes should get smaller as they go to your pinky toe. I have one that's like, it's, it's bigger than the other. It's like, what? You're like out of place here. And, and so I, I have to be, I'm not a guy who wears sandals just because I love you. And I don't want you to have to, you shouldn't have to see that. But you see, when, it, when Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, you know, feet can be. It can be a little nasty, especially in a first century culture, wearing sandals and just picking up all the dirt and everything that was there. But the gospel redeems that. And when I'm in, let me tell you something about the gospel. When I am sent, when I'm doing the work that God's calling me to do, that is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, it redeems my ugly past. It can take all of that ugliness from my past, and it can redeem it in a powerful way. How beautiful are the feet of, of those who bring the good news. And the next thing, the reason I think that Paul uses feet is because feet are active. It is time to do something, right? I mean, we, we're sent. We have to be shaken. And I think that's what this coronavirus has done for some people. It has shaken us. And if we are ever going to engage, now's the time. You see, beautiful feet. If you want to have beautiful feet, and I do, I, I, want, I want to be pleasing to the Lord. I, I want to be a herald of good news. Beautiful feet are a result of living scent. You, you have that. We'll put, we'll put this in our notes. And, and so that's a result of that. Now, as I'm refocusing on the, the mission, that changes me. And here's what has to happen in the church. Watch this for a second. As I refocus on the mission, it changes me from being a consumer to a contributor, and that's what we need in the church because we're in a consumer age inside the church. We're all consumers. And, and, and I just, so many times as I talk to people about the church, they really say, well, they want to know what kind of programs you have, right? Like, what do you guys have to offer? And that, that, that's, that's such a messed up view of the church. But even in so much of our teaching, we're consumers. We want to know, well, what's going to help me with my marriage? What's going to help me with my finances? What's going, to bring, what's going to bring peace to me? Well, let me tell you what will do that. All those things will come into focus when you really begin to live sin. I, I love this verse, and it explains it so much better than I, I'm doing. Uh, Paul's letter to, to Philemon, it's, it's only one chapter. You want to read a book, Philemon's a great one to read. You, you get it finished in, in, in seven minutes. But here's what Paul says to Philemon. He says, I pray that your partnership with us and the faith may be effective. In other words, may be active. I pray you do something with this message of Jesus Christ. 
And he says that you may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. This is the part we don't talk about. Paul says, I pray you'd be active in the gospel so that you may have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Right? See, that's where the good stuff is. When you live sin, it's, it's not just the difference it's going to make in another person's life. It's a difference it'll make in your life. You see, churches, will, let, me, let me say this to you. Churches will never meant to merely just gather. Churches were always meant to scatter. So I am preaching right now to an empty sanctuary. And can I say, personally, I miss you guys. I'm looking around an empty room. And I'm thinking about where you sit. I miss seeing you. This is a hard thing. This is a weird thing. I'm not so sure that this isn't a good thing. Because we're going to get back together. We're going to gather again. It's going to be good. And I think think we're longing for that. I think we'll appreciate that and enjoy that like never before. Won't it be sweet when we get back together for the first time? That's going to be a neat time of worship. But could it be that God is trying to show us something? That this isn't what church is about is just gathering. It's always been about us being sent out to scatter, to be involved in the gospel. Now, you see, you always talk about people, people always say this, well, we go here to this church. Well, right now, we're not going to church. We can't go to church. We're not going to church, but here's what we are. We are the church. You see that? And that's what this coronavirus, perhaps, is is doing. The second thing I would say about living sin and having beautiful feet, beautiful feet move in when others move out. Watch this. Watch this. If you want to have beautiful feet, that means that we move in when others move out. Church history. I've been doing a lot of reading this week. Ross is, is, is here, and Ross has fed me a lot of good research this week on this from church history. Uh, there's, a, there's a ton. There, are mul- there have been multiple pandemics uh, through the history of the, the last 2,000 years through the history of the New Testament church. And it's been fascinating to read how believers responded in the midst of that. If you go back to what some call the, uh, the plague of Cyprian, it, it took place in the third century in Rome. Uh, depending on who you read, about 60% of the population in Rome died during the midst of this pandemic. Uh, Some would say as many as 5,000 people a day were dying in Rome. Well, when this was taking place, people were fleeing the city. Historians said the pagans fled the city, but our ancestors in the faith, you know what they did? They ran into the city. They cared for the sick, many of them even dying. They buried the dead, and they risked their life for those that they did not even know. When everybody else was running out, panicking, they were running in. That's what it means to live sin. That's beautiful feet. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting, after the plague of Cyprian, it's estimated that the, the, the New Testament church was somewhere under 2 million people, just a, still a very, very small, small group. But just a few decades after this first plague, the church had grown to over 6 million followers, unprecedented growth. Because when everybody was running out, they were running in. I think there's chances for us here. I think there's a lot for us. You know, the coronavirus leaves, depending on who you you read, about 95% of its victims still breathing. But it leaves virtually every member of society in some ways afraid, anxious, and isolated. So how do we run in when everybody's running out in panic? You see, beautiful feet bring hope. When everyone else wants to bring fear, how can I do that? How can you do do that? How can we bring hope when everybody else is bringing fear? How can we bring compassion when everybody else is bringing panic? 
I mean, you can't buy toilet paper in the city today. I mean, everybody's hoarding this and, and hoarding. If you're doing that, don't do that, right? You see, compassion, running in when everybody is running out. You know, there's so many ways to do that as we check on uh, neighbors and, and family members and folks that we care, care about that we engage. I, I think that's what the Lord is calling us to do. Um, Amy has done this. I haven't done this, but she, she checked on a few of our neighbors. We, we live in a neighborhood that just so happens to have uh, quite a few uh, older folks living there. Uh, there is a couple in our na- neighborhood, and uh, they've, we've been there five years. They've never once waved at us. Um, they know what we do, what I do, and, and that, that, I think that's a problem for them, uh, but they won't wave at us. I've never been able to engage them in a conversation, and, and she just walked across the street last week and said, hey, I'm going to the grocery store. Can, can, can I pick you up something, uh, which I thought was, was great. Well, the other, I'm, I'm walking uh, in my neighborhood, and I'm coming out of my driveway, and I see her. She comes in her little car, and I, I've, I've stopped waving because she never reciprocates, so I just I don't want to be hurt again. And she is smiling, and she about waved her arm off. I'm like, well, are we doing this now? We were friends. So I, I think they're just, here's the point. I think there's so many chances for us to really move in as everybody else is moving out. Here's another thing I would say. Beautiful, beautiful feet bring the cure. You know, right now, everyone's attention is to working on a, a vaccine. That's what everybody in the medical community is wondering, when is this vaccine going to be available? Because everybody wants to, to, to end this, this suffering. And I understand that. I'd love to see a vaccine. But let me, let me just be honest with you. Look, look, look at Romans chapter 10, verse 1. You may think this is cheesy and cliched, but here's what I want to, you to be reminded of. We have the vaccine. This is what Paul's going to say. The greatest need that our culture needs is a forgiveness of sin. Listen, if we would have needed medical help, God would have sent a great physician. You know, if we would have needed uh, a great financial help, God would have sent an economist, but he sent us a Savior in Jesus Christ because this, here is our greatest need. Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is, is that they may be saved. Paul is, Paul is, is begging at God to move and work in the people's life that he loves and cares for. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. I love this because here's where we are in our culture. It doesn't, our culture says it doesn't matter what a person believes. It, it only matters how passionate they are about what they believe. And Paul's saying they're passionate. They're just passionately wrong. You see, what they believe is not based on truth. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish it on their own. They didn't know what, they thought this was something that they had to achieve instead of understanding that this righteousness is something that we could receive. And they did not submit to God's righteousness. People have a hard time. We'd rather have our hands on our salvation than submit to what God has done in Christ to give us a right standing with him. And then verse 4, I love, he says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Have you ever had this? Please, please listen. Have you ever had this thought and maybe some lack of assurance about your salvation and, and thought, you know what, I don't know when I got saved. Did I, did I believe enough? Uh, did I pray hard enough? Did I, did I repent enough? Have you ever had those? Have you ever had those thoughts? I think many people have. You know, one of the most fascinating accounts in the New Testament, and I want to make this point here, because I was one of those. Like, did I, did I really repent enough when I came to faith in Christ? I don't know that I, I did that as well as I should, and that's created some doubts. Do you remember when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan? I just remember as a kid, that was like a, that was a, that was a strange thing. It had to be strange for John. John's like, what are you doing here? You ought to be baptizing me. And what does Jesus say? He says, no, I'm doing this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, let's think about it for a minute. What was John's baptism? It was a baptism of, of 
I was hoping some of our staff here would answer this, obviously. It was a baptism of repentance. And so Jesus is, is coming, and he's going through this baptism of repentance. So even repentance, Jesus says, I'm doing that perfectly for you. So that, listen, so that your righteousness is not based on your effort and your performance, but on how Jesus performed perfectly for you. So even in the area of repentance, in, in, in a sense, what do we see? Jesus repents perfectly for us. So when we trust in him, that's what we receive. That's what, that's what Paul says when he says that, that Christ is the culmination of the law. He accomplishes all of that for you. Isn't that great news? That just blows me away, man. That brings so much peace in my, 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 my life. Now, think about this. And when we, when we, when we date, when we were, we were dating, and I have to say, my, my wife's sitting here. When I, when I saw her, I thought she was the most beautiful, beautiful girl in the world. I fell in love with her, and, 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 and that, that, she was just so attractive to me in so many different ways. And that's how we develop relationships. We see, we see in somebody something that we like. It attracts us to them, and then we develop a relationship with them. And, but like, can I tell you something? God is just the opposite of that. God doesn't find you righteous and love you because of that. God finds you unrighteous and makes you righteous. Do you see the difference? That's the way God loves us. So those with good news realize the cure, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to save us. And those with beautiful feet realize this. Good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. That's the cure. We don't have, if you're listening to this and you're not a believer, I'm so glad that you're listening, I don't believe that I have superior morality. I don't believe I have, I know I don't have superior intellect. I don't believe I'm better than anyone. I, the only thing that is superior in my life is my Savior, Jesus Christ, who is righteous for me. That, that's all. That's the gospel. And that's the message that we need to share. That's the cure. And we're having unique opportunities to, to do that. Uh, Carl Henry, great theologian, said this. I'm coming to a close. The gospel means good news. But it is only good news if it gets to someone in time. Boy, isn't that true? And if I'm living sin, I realize this is unique opportunity in time. What is a person with beautiful feet? Is a person with beautiful feet realizes that they want to take the cure to the culture? Is it going to get there in time? Again, people may know there's a God. People know there's a God. They just don't know how to get to him. And Paul explains it. Let's close with this. Look at verse 8. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Paul says, what does it say? The word is near you. In other words, he's saying, you, you don't have to take a, a quest. It's not a, a journey. The, the most important truth in the universe is so near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith or trust that we proclaim. Listen to this, verse 9, so powerful. That if you declare or confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord, you are, you are Savior, you are God, I am not, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will, what is the great promise? You will be saved. It's a completed action. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Isn't that good news? As I transfer my trust from what I'm doing to what Christ has done, I will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord and richly blesses all who call on him. Now, you may be listening to that and think, I don't understand that. What's he talking about? There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Gentile. Well, well, well the Jews in this day... They, they were the, and Paul makes this point, they had all the promises of God. They had all the van, advantages. They knew the story, God's covenant people, that God had worked through them in powerful ways. And, and, the, and the Gentiles were sort of like religious outsiders. But Paul says, that doesn't matter. Your pedigree doesn't matter. 
that this salvation is available for everyone. And you may be watching this and you're thinking, you know what, listen, I don't have the background. I don't deserve this. I, I, I've, you know what, I, things have happened in my life that have, that have taken me out of any chance at having a relationship with a living God. Well, that, that's not what Paul says, just the opposite. For everyone, look at verse 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that a great promise? For everyone, regardless of your past, regardless, regardless of your pedigree, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the simplicity of the gospel. I, I want to do this as we close this message. I, I learned this and heard this years ago. It's probably the most simple illustration of the gospel that, that I know to share. It's just this chair illustration. And so as I think about this chair, some of you have been around here, you've, you've, you've seen us do this before. It's just very simple, but it's so repeatable and it helps so much. As I think about this chair, the, the only the only way that this chair is doing me any good is if I do one thing. And what is that? I've got to sit in it. I've got to transfer all of my trust into this chair, and I sit, and I rest in it. That's such a great picture of, of salvation. You see, salvation is this. Here's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, listen. Salvation is transferring our hope from what we do to what Christ has done that we sit down in him, that we rest in him. I think, this is, I think this is the greatest opportunity that we've had in years to share this message of Jesus Christ. I think people are more open to this than, than ever before. Uh, yesterday morning, just getting an email from someone saying, I believe my, my, my family, they're not believers, and I want to share Christ with them. So there's a, there's a stirring. There's a story in John chapter 5 that I love. I want to I I close with this. Some of you said, well, it seems like you were closing five minutes ago. Well, I'm closing now. It happens around the pool of Siloam and in and around Jerusalem, uh, outside the temple, there was a, a, a pool where people would come and, and bathe and there were, there, were, there were many folks, crippled people, that would stay alongside this pool and they were waiting for something that happened occasionally, a stirring of the water. It was believed that an angel stirred the water and the first one in the water was healed. So Jesus goes and he heals a lame man. This man feels like, you know what, the, I, the, I, I'm, I'm crippled, I don't have anybody to get me into this water and, and Jesus performed forms a healing. And you say, well, what's the point? People with beautiful feet understand this. People who are living sin understand this. They're willing and ready to step into the stirring. Can I tell you something? There is a stirring. Whether you realize it or not, there is a stirring. God is at work healing and redeeming people. And if you have beautiful feet, part of what that means is, God, I'm willing to step into the stirring. Where I see you at work and people's lives around me, I'm willing to step into that. This could be the greatest opportunity you've ever had in your life. And then some of you, here's the pushback. Here's the pushback. Hang with me for just a second. You say, you know what? I don't feel like I can do this. I don't feel like I know enough. And you're listening to all the things that you cannot do. Do you know what? This is, very, this is deep theology, but I'm, I'm going to take you here. We're doing this. Chapter 9 of the book of Romans is all about God's sovereignty. It's about what he does to bring about salvation. Chapter 10 is about our response to that. Those things are together. And you say, well, what's the point? Listen, if God is stirring in your heart and your life to serve someone, to share the gospel with someone, to do something in ministry, if he's sending you in an area of ministry, can I tell you something? He's already there working. Isn't that encouraging? He's already there working. And so it's not going to be all about you. It's about his sovereignty. It's about his power. And then using your time, efforts, and ability together. And boy, at that collision, 
amazing things happen. So don't let that pull you back. What's that going to look like? You know, for some of you, there's a stirring just to get your family in the Word on a daily basis, a family devotion. Listen, there's, you've watched everything Netflix has by now, haven't you? I mean, what would it be like just tonight just to open up the Scripture with your family? I was trying to do this with my grandson this week. I was sitting out in the, on, on our porch, and he was over, and I was trying to tell him the story of the little boy and the fishes and the miracle that Jesus performed. And, boy, I was going. I'm a preacher. I do this for a living. I'm professional at it, and I'm sharing. And, and I get about halfway through, and he says, yeah, 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 Pop, and just walked off. I thought, boy, that's not what I was hoping for. But, you know, at least we're sharing, sharing the truth of God's Word. So would you, would you do that? Man, here's what I believe. This is an amazing thing that's happening. There's a stirring. There are so many churches in, in our community that are struggling right now. And here, here's one of the reasons why they're struggling. Uh, they don't have a children's ministry, student ministry. Here's what I believe God is doing. I believe God is, is going to raise up leaders from here, from this place, to go out and do children's ministry and student ministry in those places. And we're going to see these churches come to life. We're going to see some amazing things happen for the glory of God. So what does that mean? Some of these people that are veterans here that have been doing ministry for, for a long time here, they're going to be sent out to go and bring these churches to life. So that means some of you are going to have to come in and backfill. You're going to have to take their place. You've got to be sent. You've got to be, you be shook out out of your place of comfort, into your calling. you got to have those beautiful feet. Maybe it's just posting something on social media that perhaps you've, you've, you've never really been vocal about your faith. There's a chance to do that. Boy, this is a great opportunity right now, isn't it? Maybe it's just saying if, if you're still gathering at work, you're one of the few places that folks are still showing up to work. Maybe it's just at, at lunchtime, uh, having a time of prayer. We have even our city officials are doing this. It's pretty amazing what's happening inside your neighborhood. There's a chance to do that. What about this? What about if you'd be willing to share your story with a scared friend? I know every one of you that is listening to this, you have somebody in your life that is overwrought with fear right now. You have a chance to tell how Jesus came and met you at a time in your life where you were overcome with fear and discouragement and despair and how he changed your life. You have a chance to share your story. Be sent. Let me, let me stop. Thank you so much for, for listening. You know, this, this chair... Uh, I hear people say this about this illustration. There's only, there's only two responses to this chair, standing or sitting. I don't agree with that. I think there's three. You think, man, that's goofy. The first is standing. And, and, and the first that standing is, is really saying this, God, I, I've got this. I think I can live a life on my own, on my merits, on my performance, on my morality, on what I do. I think I can live a life that will be acceptable in your eyes. So they're standing. Now, we know this. One sin's enough to separate us from a holy God, so that doesn't work. But there's some that would, would say that. The, the second posture is just being seated. Finally, just sitting down in Christ and saying, I, Jesus, I trust you and you alone. You fulfilled all righteousness, and so my faith is in you. So you're resting in Christ for your, your standing with God. That's, that's the second posture. But here's the third. I think it's the most prevalent one, to be honest. It's just indifference. Most people in our culture don't think about either one of those two postures. They don't think about kind of their standing, their performance for God. They don't think about what it means. They are just completely indifferent. But there is a stirring. There is a stirring today that is perhaps shaking them out of a place of indifference to a place of being open to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
And will we have those beautiful feet to refocus our priorities and be sent and step into that situation and share the truth of Jesus Christ? Well, I hear people say, you know what? I appreciate what you say. I just want to live my life and be an example to others, and that, that's how I lead people to Christ. Do you know what you see in Romans chapter 10? You see the power of the Word. If, God is coming, if someone's going to come into faith in Jesus Christ, God is going to use the Word to do it. Everything that exists today came into existence because God spoke a Word and creation came into existence. If somebody's going to be born again, it is going to be God using the truth of His Word that you share with someone that their lives might be changed. What does it mean? What is the simple message of the gospel? Giving folks a chance to transfer their hopes their trust, transferring their trust for salvation from what they have always done to what Jesus has done for them. Would you be willing to do that today? Would you be willing for the first time in your life to sit down, to transfer your trust, not in what you do, but what he's done? That's the simplicity of the gospel. And if you're willing to do that today, I have good news. The Bible says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're a new creation in Christ. That is the simplicity of the gospel. I'd ask you to do one thing. I'd ask you just to tell another person in your life who you know is a believer about your decision to sit down in Christ. And if it would help as we close this message out, I'd like to pray for you. And as, as a way to sit down in Christ, just tell the Lord uh, this today. But before I pray, three words I want to leave you with. What would it be like today for you to rest more in the faithfulness of God? Number two, what would it be like for you to repent of some known sin? And finally, what would it be like for you to refocus and live sent? Can I pray for you with your, your heads bowed even right where you are, in your kitchen, in your den, and I'm talking to some of you, that's not true, God's talking to some of you who have never sat down in Christ. To be honest, you've been indifferent for a lot of years. Or some of you just think, you know what, I think my performance can win the day. That's a bet you don't want to make because it's a gamble you're going to lose. But you can sit down today in the completed work of Jesus Christ, trust him, and you will never be put to shame. Would you say this to the Lord just in the silence of your own heart? Jesus, you have my attention. I believe you're speaking to me. And I believe you died in my place. And I believe that you are king, you are Lord, you are Savior. And today, I sat down in you. I trust you, Jesus, and you alone for my salvation. Jesus, save me. Jesus, do a work in my life that I could never do. Father, thank you for the time that we've had to study your word, to talk about what's going on in our day. Teach us to rest. Holy Spirit, lead us to repentance.
And Father, for all of us as believers, could we refocus on what you've called us to do for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.